This is the Let's Grab Coffee podcast, and I'm your host, George Khalife. Speaking of kind of the, the Moroccan DNA, the, the, which obviously <laughs> when, when you want to talk about like sales, BD, relationship management, what better way to get a firsthand MBA than go to like a souk, right? Or one of the, <laughs> the, the markets in person, dude, like whether it's Egypt, Morocco or Lebanon or Iran as an example. Um, so curious, because one of your interviews, you talk about how your parents were always small medium-sized business entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. and obviously we'll get to north one but like just before that was that a big influence in terms of your upbringing within entrepreneurship um absolutely i mean you look you you it's not that it actually as a kid i decided you know i'm gonna do this but you just you live it right you see the pressures you notice and as you grow up you start realizing like those stressful moments that's when like you know a, fat, a relative had made a really big bet and you could tell that there was a moment when they were just so stressed, right? Like you remember like that family event, everybody's at the dinner table and that uncle or, or parent was just off. And as a kid, you're just like, you don't know why, right? But then when you start realizing the way in which the, the flow of small business just completely captures your emotional you know, disposition, you know, your, your ability to, to just the way you communicate with your family, it really does take over your life. And that's, that's how, my, my upbringing, watching my grandparents, aunts and uncles, parents be, you know, building small businesses um, and then, you know, failing at it, succeeding at it, whatever it is, um, it just, it impacts everything, right? It's not like just a, like a little pocket, like I'm reading an interesting book. I put it down at night. I pick it up the next day and I don't have, it just, it impacts everything. Um, and that's why there's such a deep, deep, deep sense of purpose for me in, in what I'm doing, because um no problem that it takes over your life, right? Like people sign up for that. They're not blind to it. But if you right. can reduce the, some of the pain and the anxiety of that, it can be such a bigger force for positive, um, you know, experiences and then like positive vibes rather than a constant feeling like, you know, there's just like, you're just waiting for like, you know, the hammer to fall and everything kind of just falls apart, which is really like this existential angst that many small business owners have. And, you know, those that are successful or, or, or kind of survive long enough, they just like, they become numb to it, right? Like, they're just like, yeah, I get it. Like we have up seasons and down seasons, but it never goes away. You never, you, you always are like walk, watching over your shoulder. And so, you know, that that's this like, almost this emotional relationship where I wanna, I, I wanna help reduce that pain and that frustration. Cause you know, when you've lived it, you feel it. How do you know what, I guess for you, like what, what, how did you know that that pain point for you that you wanted to solve was on the finance side? and let's say not mental health, like, was it a personal thing that you personally felt? Or it's just like the brevity of everything that you saw on the market kind of clicked together for that idea? Honestly, it was, yeah, it was, it was just the life experiences that I had had gave me like little chapters of a book. And then when I, at one point I was just a little self-aware enough and old enough to look back and say like, my, the greatest lever I can have to, to moving the needle on that is not going to be through better HR software, better mental health software, or, or services, or being a practitioner like a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Actually, it's actually going through what I've done. And I had by that time, you know, I spent time uh, growing up in small business, working uh, at McKinsey for for five or six years, studying and really working in you know the the innovative financial services departments of lots of FIs, etc. And I realized like, wow my biggest lever here is to change the way that small businesses uh, relate to their banking um, experience and, and using that as this like portal to um, a very different reality where they can actually feel like they got it all under control rather than like they're just like one 
one bad Excel formula away from having completely you know mis miscalculated what was available for the month or not. Yeah, it's it's, and I, I think from the outside though, like looking in, it, it's such a difficult problem to solve, right? And I think in in, in uh, maybe partially because like it's not only a very regulated uh, industry, right, to crack into, and you're like basically changing the complete landscape almost uh, when it comes to to business banking, but. Uh, it's also like, where do you start? You know, at least in software, logically, you know, you get, if you're not a coder yourself, you get someone, you can maybe develop the wireframe, you're the business mind, and you can figure out what to tackle. But when it comes to business banking, like, to be honest with you, I don't even know where, where would you start really? Right. I don't know if you've ever felt that way or how did you actually get to that point? So, um, it's a little, it's, it's a combination of, uh, first just going to the problem, right? So before there was even a name for the company, before there was even a real business model to speak of, I'd spoken to about a hundred customers or, or what would be customers, right? Small business owners and just spent time understanding their pains, what kept them up at night. And it gave me conviction that there was a theme here and that it wasn't just like three people out of the hundred, 70 of them had already like expressed extreme emotion around financial management, banking, et cetera. And so you start with this like undeniable fact. It's no longer your first principling your way into the problem. You're actually using a, a real fact base to emerge and saying, okay, so so if this, then what do I do? And then it was about, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants and saying like, well, well, who's tried to solve this problem? Where have they failed? And, and what are the kind of areas where we think there's something new in the universe that we can build in? And, and fortunately, I had spent a lot of time watching the emergence of fintech in Europe through McKinsey. And, and I was just inspired by the level of ambition with which some of those entrepreneurs were just thinking, well, what if we rebuilt this from the ground up? <laughs> like just that level of audacity was awesome. Um, and then, you know, just connecting some dots and saying, well, what if we were to just rethink how the relationship of a small business with its bank, like what does good look like there? And then you start testing and, and then you have so many of these anecdotes and customer stories under your belt. You're like, it's, you kind of know where the answer is going. You're like, I want to, they, they, they need that the bank's relationship doesn't stop with just giving me a ledger, right? Giving me just transaction data. Cause that's like, of course you need that. But it's like, what do I do with this stuff? And how do I know that I'm making good decisions? And all of a sudden you start enriching your view of the problem. And then it takes a little bit of creativity, but just a lot of like real disciplined listening to hear how people are thinking about the problem and then say like, well, what's the, a couple of bold steps we can take to solve this that, um, that, that could really help them. And I, ironically, a lot of customers that we speak to, they don't believe that banking can be better, right? They've kind of, it's kind of like your, your utility, like, look, I put the plug in the wall, I get electricity. What, am I, what else am I going to expect from my, like, my power provider? And same thing with the bank account. A lot of people just say, like, look, that's what a bank account does. It stores the money and it creates a lot. You know, I don't expect it to do problem solving in my life. And when you try to then say, but what if we reframe? What if we actually thought that there could be a relationship? with your bank account and your bank provider far broader than simply where do we store my money? Um, some people, it just doesn't compute, right? They just, they're, they, they just like, I don't know. I, that, that doesn't make sense to me, but a lot of people are deeply yearning for something like that. And you build on that little moment of hope um, into a relationship. And, you know, a lot of people who've done this in interesting ways, I mean, think of the way Warby Parker attacked the sunglasses experience, right? Like, or just the glasses experience where, you just go into a store, you used to have those like thin little mirrors, you used to look into it and it was, that was it, right? And, and your whole experience was limited to like going and getting as fast as you could to somewhere else where you could wear the glasses. Whereas they just 
they change your relationship with something like sunglasses. It's just so interesting. And, and imagine you can bring that um, to something as critical and as like, you know, in, absolutely necessary as banking. Um, there's so much, so much more upside if you can get that right, at least in my mind. What were some of those, like when you were interviewing potential customers at the time, what was maybe one or two of their points basically that you saw were a pattern? Let's say from a hundred yeah. people, you know, were there yeah. two or three that really stood out to you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's funny. We, we've, uh, we've since cataloged these and, and studied them to death as a company. Um, but what they were, there was, a, I call them like problem clusters, right? And we started out with a handful of like, they seem kind of intuitive, but when you hear enough, you're like, wow, there's a lot of richness in this. So, you know, first, um, first problem cluster was what, what I'd call like day-to-day activities, right? So the way that banking would just suck a lot of time and energy out of everyone's day-to-day. It's not like that it, you have to take seven hours of your time and just blow it off. It was actually the micro cuts into your time where, you know, the way that the relationship that banking forces upon the business owner, their accountant, their bookkeeper, et cetera, the accountant's asking a dozen questions a day, filling up the inbox. You got to get something done. Sometimes you have to call the bank. Sometimes you have to show up at the bank, get the faxing to the bank. Every single one of these, if you add them up over the course of a month, we're talking hours and hours of just like context switching and, and little micro actions, being able to remove that from, or a lot of them from the life of the business owner was actually unlocking a ton of productivity and time, et cetera. That was just kind of the first one on day-to-day, you know, activities. Then this other one was about like cash flow, right? Not just, you know, cash flow awareness, like what, where is my cash position, but then what do I do about it? Um, you know, people struggled to first understand like, am I, is my cash flow in a good or a bad place? Like you just have this like notional understanding of it. And then it's like, and if I decide that it is bad, what are my options? How do I even act on that? And both of those are like compounding sources of um, anxiety. And so you start realizing these are things that like seem to be pretty cross-cutting. And um, some people that never solve them, they just pay for someone else to make them go away, right? Like they pay, you know, so like a VP finance becomes deputized to say, make sure we don't fail, make sure we can get some value out of this. And more importantly, take this problem off my plate. Um, and you just start with those. And then from there, you're, you're thinking, well, what are the, it's almost like an issue tree, right? What are the sources of all this like loss of productivity? Can you bucket them? Can we think of like, can they be automated? You know, why are they there? And you realize that a lot of them stem from um, this common source. The fact that someone, some business owner is downloading a CSV from their bank account and trying to figure out from that, how healthy is my business? Is every transaction here legitimate? And is every transaction too high, too low, too early, too late? And then take that end to like, I don't know, a thousand transactions. Think about the amount of time you're spending just to get a view on is my, is my very business healthy or not? Um, it's all consuming. And if you're not trained at it, you're convinced that you've made many errors along the way and they're compounding in, in, in materiality. So it, it really does, you know, those, those themes and those buckets came clear across industry, stage, gender, ethnicity, like it's pretty universal. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. Um, and, and it's like the one thing that I can think of that is always challenging when, when you're doing that is two things, right? It's like, Okay, well, now you have a lot of feedback and and I've run into this too with like previous startups is like, how do I, as a business person, how do I manage those priorities? Because you're thinking of what this is going to become all the time, right? Like as a CEO, obviously you're thinking like four steps ahead, the growth, you know, the iterations, but like managing what it should be today to get to that stage is so difficult. 
right? What's your process of managing that? And maybe your consulting hat probably helps in this because you're probably like process oriented, but just curious on that front. Well, it's honestly, it was a little bit, it was a practical lens. So what are the things that we could solve kind of today or at launch with an MVP that actually make a material difference, right? And it was kind of like almost thinking of every problem we saw is this like, how soon can we solve this and how big of an impact? And if you think about it, are there like, ways that you can solve it that really guided a lot of our thinking like we just had very limited resources and could only solve so many problems and they had the ones that we did spend time and energy on had to be important enough that it would actually create like a little bit of a flywheel and people seeing value and saying i will stay for more and then you know even telling their friends about it or, or business acquaintances that that is the big bet you make right? you make this this implicitly you make this massive bet that the the feature set that we're going out with mvp is on the right track to something that will create enough value in a very short order that people will come back for more. Um, and I, ironically, a lot of those bets you've made years before or even months before you even realize it's time to make the bet. <laughs> you're on that track or you're not. Um, and, right. and sometimes you have the good fortunes of being able to to kind of adjust, course correct, et cetera. But the broad brushstrokes are, are, are planted long before um, you launch, right? You, you've kind of made assumptions about how the market should be, what a business should experience, and you're driving down those hypotheses. Fortunately, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, you're, you're kind of tied to those for some time. Mm. And for, for those wondering, it's, and I think this is an important part to clarify that if you just basically provided the capsule, just like the, the, the big banks did, right? Then there would really be no differentiation just on that one level. So you kind of yeah. had to take it you know, in, in different steps, but just curious uh, to clarify that you are also extending small to medium-sized businesses loans at the same time. But right, with, with that, no, we're not. We're, you're not. So we're not. So, okay. so the the our product, what's, what North One is, it's a small business focused challenger bank, right? And so, what you know, the the closest comparable is like saying, you know, um, you know, the the business version of a Chime or an Aspiration or a Vero, who've all done really interesting things on the customer side, but. But that's like kind of a very a, a weak parallel. Um, in many ways, you know, we provide folks with a business checking account, a debit card, you know, ways to move money that reflect small business in America, wires, remote, you know, checks being written and mailed on your behalf, you know, uh, check deposit, right. cash deposits. Um, all these things are the basic offering. And and the idea there is that that allows any business to find operational banking within North One. But what's important for us is to say that you know, that experience and the way in which we package it and the way in which we present it to um, to our customers has to be so much more valuable that it's actually going to overcome the inertia of switching from a bank from another bank, which is a high so, inertia. And that's this kind of this North Star where you're just like, how are we creating su such a compelling case to some sort of some group of businesses that they're going to say, you know what, I would try this out. I will go through the pain. Of moving, um, you know, my bank, my business from one bank to another, and there's many ways in which this hits. This hits on some features that you might build. For example, in our case, um, something called envelopes, where businesses can create many envelopes within their bank account to sequester money, have you know, formulas and and algorithmic ways in which they can move money around. Every month, X percent of my revenues moves into this envelope, or every month, this many dollars moves into this envelope, and that helps them get some basic, you know, real budgeting processes down pat. Um, that's from a feature point of view, but then you even go to the UX. Is it simple to do? Is it, you know, 
can we reduce the number of clicks or screens that you get to, to, to doing this one very simple thing, like a wire? I'll give you an example. Uh, it takes maybe four screens or so to send a wire to North One. And we had customers who actually wrote to us saying like, you made it so easy. I didn't realize how many I was sending. And now like, I just like, I, it's, it's problematic because the you know, wires cost a little bit of money. Um, you know, can you help me unwind some of these? And that's great. That means that what is supposed to be such an ugly problem in reality, we've actually managed to take it to a level of, of um, usability that's good. And, and now we can put proper gates and check, say, hey, are you sure you want to send it? Like we can actually create deliberate moments of friction, but the value to the business owners that like, wow, I used to have to initiate the wire online, call my bank to confirm they got it, then come into the branch to show some ID and then just wait, wait, wait until the money leaves the account, like just guessing. And then, you know, calling my supplier saying, I know it's it's on its way. I don't know when it's going to leave. Like that's so much work just to send a, a little bundle of money. Whereas, you know, we said, well, what if you could just track these things? Like an email, like, is, has it been opened? Is it sent? You know, like, where is the status of it? And just send it really simply. And, and that's kind of the the way it should be. And we've been able to do that in a lot of pieces of banking, which when you put them all together, people are like, wow, you know, 40% of our customers after one month tell us that they've spent less time on banking and financial management after using North One than without. And that's kind wow. of how we celebrate it, right? That we're just yeah. giving them time back. Well, yeah. Th and thank you for, because I, I, I was assuming that would be on, on, listener's mind is that, you know, do you also house the, the, the financing at this, or is it like an interface? Uh, so I appreciate your clarification there. It kind of reminds me in, in a different context, but it does remind me, at least being in the US of Robinhood, right? Like if you think about how much they've challenged the brokerage, the traditional brokerage accounts, right? Like the the Schwab's, the brokers, the IB's of the world, um, they, they completely changed that game, dude. Like you, you just, you know, swipe up and, and you can buy a stock. Like, they just made it so easy that sometimes you're like, holy shit, did I actually buy it? Like, did it, did it go through? Why is it that easy, right? Three clicks or something and that's it. And they actually make it look quite cool at the same time. Well, now you're, you're actually tapping into what I think is like a, a really important part of our mission, right? Like across America right now, branches are closing, right? Um, in rural areas, you got branch deserts where it's just not worth it for big banks to hold branches there anymore or in, in certain parts of cities that are deemed too poor or, or not viable, they pull the branches too. So what happens, you know, good ideas really do exist everywhere. And so there's an entrepreneur somewhere who's saying, I, I got an idea, I want to start a business. They can't find a way to start a bank, like a bank account, I mean. Um, you know, a lot of them will, will search and it just becomes the, the threshold to getting started is so high. And so part of what we're trying to do is bring back access to finance. We'll bring a bank account to your pocket. It'll be available on your phone in three minutes. You'll sign up for North Wine. You'll get an FDIC insured account, debit cards in the mail. You're off to the races. Like that should be the least difficult part of your entrepreneurial journey. Because like Seriously. the big the big monsters lay down the line, like selling and and and, and building a company and, and getting customers. Um, this is this should be you know just a, a checklist of things that you'll do on your way. And, and that's the first part of our journey with the entrepreneur or the business owner. And, and then more broadly over time. What we're doing is, you know, ideally without them having to feel it, we are starting to build the basics of a finance department for the small businesses that we serve without ever having to put a formal, you know, thing on a door saying finance, but rather how do we help them budget better? How do we help them give more rich uh, information on every transaction that flows to their bank account? Each one of these gives better context and starts reducing the amount of research someone's going to do on their dinner table at night saying, what is this transaction? Who is this vendor? Where did they come from? Well, if we can give you a logo you know, what state they're located in, 
um, you know, your, your transaction history with a counterpart, all of a sudden, you're just starting to see that the questions you're asking are, are getting resolved much quicker, which is essentially what you do with an account you're saying, hey, you know, uh, bookkeeper, tell me, like, who is this counterparty? What's my history with them? And like, is this the right amount I should have been expecting? And for us to help answer those questions, honestly, reduces the, again, the burden it takes to, you know, run a successful small business in America. Yeah, it's very true, um, especially like my, my mind was going to, to different places um, because I want to touch on these. But one of, one of the critical things you said, actually, with, with that example of the wire transfer, I think the reason why that is, too, is when, when a process is so convoluted it, and it's so tiring, right, it's so challenging on top of everything else that you have to do, you're likely just going to try to put it off as much as you can. Right. Think of like taxes as an example. And even in the U.S., dude, if you ever go to a postal office, it's literally like visiting hell. You know, no offense, like, you know, God bless the workers there and everything. They always do a great job. But it's like you have to stand in a three hour line to, 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 to mail something. And so every time my fiance is like, hey, can you drop this off? I literally do like a piece of me dies on the inside. Uh, and I feel like back to that point around the wire transfer, it's like, well, it's such a it's such a tough process that I wouldn't even look at as to whether or not I should be sending 40 wire transfer. Like, have I ever actually t taken a step back and, and consulted my business as to what we're doing in this domain? But you know what? I don't even want to look at, I don't want to open that door to begin with because it's not an inviting door uh, for me to even enter, right? Yep. No, and, and look, this is the, the difficult thing that a lot of business owners face is um, you're, you're constantly making the compromise between what's best for your business and how much friction will it be to actually do the thing that's best? And and the pragmatic answer is sometimes you're actually doing like a more difficult thing because it's just like it's less it's less ambiguous it's you know a little clear and that's what we're trying to do is make all of these tools available to business owners to make the best choices for your business but also let them help you appreciate what's going on in the business while this is happening like the bank account is truly the immutable source of truth for any business like if something happens in a business at some point it reflects itself in their bank account a sale a hire you know, a refund, um, you know, supplies that they've bought. And so this is a way to, to really think, what is the story of that business? That's your bank account. And let's move that away from, from just rows of numbers and counterparties and balances. Let's actually start thinking of the story of that business in real time. Think about, I mean, a lot of these business owners, they'll, they'll crunch the numbers six weeks after they're done. How can you run a business if your number's coming in late? They don't have a choice, right? They're, they're busy selling and, and, and making the business work. What if we could get them to their, to get them those numbers in six hours, right? What if you could help someone understand this is my worst month in a year and taxes are due and rent is due and I'm going to have you know, a larger payroll bump. Maybe it's not the, the best time to refurbish all my machinery. Maybe I'll wait until things turn up a bit. But without that knowledge, you might just go do that and then create like some real um, irreversible damage to your business. That's why like so many businesses find out about a cash shortage like hours before it happens like you're maybe you know 72 hours before cash runs dry you're like oh i didn't know all this was about to happen and and what we're trying to do is, is slowly get our way to the place where business owners need to think a little less about that but more importantly need to worry a little less about it because they're like i got this like there's there's there are systems i have in place to help me better understand um the path forward on, on my business and, and by the way like this is good the the, the the mechanic, the dentist, the, you name it, they should be spending more time on getting better at their craft and less time, you know, Googling managerial accounting and, and watching YouTube videos and how to like reconcile their books. A hundred percent. Very, very true. Switching uh, a little bit to the personal side. Um, mm -hmm. 
on North One's website. So I saw on, especially on your profile within the website, um, something actually, there's two very cool things that I picked up. The first is on the profile on the right-hand side, you guys have like three categories, inspiration, favorite book, uh, right? And a few other things, I guess, give a bit more context than just your LinkedIn profile, like every other website, but your inspiration, at least the one I saw was, was Gary V. Um, shout out to Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, what was it about Gary V that inspired you maybe in the context of entrepreneurship? You know, look, uh, I I love the fact that um, he makes what he says like makes sense. He says it a lot, right? A lot of people hear his message so often that they they stop hearing the words of it. But I I find that that this guy has very very good practical uh, advice on building a business. And what I loved about him was that he comes from a place of humility. He's not. It was very much of like I've done this. Here's how I did. I'm going to keep on saying my message in the hope that it helps people. And and you can love or hate parts of that message. But what I thought was like, man, that this guy is a source for, for good, like good thinking. Um, you know, and, and I just really enjoyed just watching over the years. I mean, I've been following him for years to see the way, you know, he talks about self-awareness. He talks about, you know, empathy. He talks about just the, the, the grind, the difficulty of building a business. Um, it's it's a very accessible form, and I love how he has made these ideas accessible to more. It'll have more conversations about mental health, et cetera. I just find that that's that's a really needed source of oxygen in the space. It does nothing needs to be this kind of picture perfect, like you know, oh, I built a business and now I'm super successful, and here's all like you know things I bought. Like he shows about how like how grimy it is and how difficult it can be, and the kind of sacrifices that sometimes you need to make. And that's what I like about it. He's not polishing it he's really showing honestly like this is a sacrifice that i make it's my choice if it's not for you no problem and i really enjoy that source of authenticity and i find that you know my own version of that authenticity is something i aspire to mm-hmm. yeah the, the biggest one is is the document documenting your experience is probably the biggest thing that i've taken um, especially being a little bit younger um one of the things i always struggled with was like how do you voice or if i wanted to storytell as an example how can i do that without coming across as though I'm, I'm telling people what to do. And I never had a clear answer, or at least I thought I didn't know how to think about it the right way until he came with like, you know, document, because if you document your own experiences, people can't really, whether or not they agree with your message, like the one you pointed with Gary Vee, it's still his experiences, right? And, yeah. and most people are going to find value from that, uh, at least if, you know, if, if that's who you're trying to target. So with, with that in mind, the other thing I'm, I'm curious about, I saw one of your uh, job openings, like on LinkedIn, basically. And I was looking, and sometimes I like to do this just to see how you, how you describe roles, basically within yeah. your company. The very, I've never, I swear to you, I've never seen this yet in a description. And one of the, the like the assets or the value adds that you would have liked to see, this was for a head of people, I think, um, is either someone to be on a podcast or uh, a TEDx talk. And I just wanted to ask, kind of left field but i wanted to ask i kind of i think i know why but anyways curious why that is you know it's it's um it's a combination of, of I think, two or three things that are nice to have right it's uh someone who has a sense of thought leadership right they're thinking that they're tr- they, it's something that they would knowledge that they would want to radiate outwards right and, and we really like the idea that um someone has been thinking about something enough that they, they have something that they've talked about it externally. Um, it's interesting. It might be even like controversial, which is great. Like that, you know, we're, we're really looking for people who have maybe done that, but also it's a source of art, being articulate, right? If you've done these things, it means that you're able to 
um, articulate your, your point of view on something. And it's really important internally that people have strong points of view on something that they work on. And, and to head a people thing, we thought that's a really nice way to think about it. And the other one is, is actually that there is a, um, there's a degree of inspiration that we can look at this person and say, like, I can, I can actually get behind their energy, et cetera. Uh, we, we want, you know, the head of people is not simply for us, you know, people management. This is about people growth, people development. And so it was like just an interesting way where we thought maybe this can be a homing signal to people to recognize self saying, look, I do want to get, I do get up and talk about my view on, on the way that talent can be grown and nurtured. And like, I've done this, this is maybe a place that will recognize and appreciate that. Um, and, and it's honestly, it's, it's just a bet that we make saying like, well, if we put these signals into the world, do we start finding people that will recognize it and actually be um, interesting fits? Speaking of, of people, um, one of the things I want to wrap up with is as a CEO of, of North One, typically I ask like, what advice would you have for other people? This one I'm going to ask a little differently. And mm. it's what are the three qualities that you look for when hiring someone? <laughs> um, yeah. It's, so I think the, the first one is a sense of ownership, right? It doesn't matter over what, but that you really feel like when you do something, you own it, that you, you have a sense of, of real um, ownership over things that, that, that you are outputting. Um, and that's expressed in different ways for a developer versus a, you know, a, a growth person versus a data scientist. But that basic trend, because there's this, this idea that um, if everybody does their job and does it well and feels ownership over it, we can work as an, as an orchestrated unit. And, and when you, and the weakest link of that is someone who, who actually lo- lacks that sense of ownership. It just creates that everybody has to jump on top of that work to make sure it gets done. Right. Um, you know, the second one is um, a sense of team first. Right, this idea that um, you understand that in certain situations you'll put the team before yourself, right? And we all do that in different ways, but especially in early stage, sometimes it's really messy. Sometimes you know you got to you got to pinch it in other places, and uh, the ability for people occasionally to feel ambidextrous about how of how they view their job and thinking about that really matters. Um, you know, we can't we're, we're at a stage where we can't just be a bunch of specialists. We really have to have people who are thinking, well, what is is this better for the team? What's the best? you know, team way moving forward. And the last one is resilience. We want to make sure that people um, really feel like challenges that they've come through in life are things that they have faced and, you know, are better for it, right? As opposed to people who just see a lot of blockers. And there's a place for all of them, right? This is all relative, but but it's really important. We We have our share of challenges every single day, every week, many, many reasons for us to just give up and just say like, why even bother? But you just need someone who's just wired to say, okay, cool. How are we going to do this? Right. And, and that little instinct is everything. That instinct is the difference between, you know, um, giving up at the first opportunity or, or second or third, or just not stopping to just step up to the plate and swing every single time until literally there's no more energy in your arms. And that's that level of just like, I will never give up. Um, we look for in every capacity. And, and it doesn't mean that everybody is about to, you know, just run into the battlefield, right? It just means that in your own way, in your own context, you won't give up. You know, you're trying to, to, to design something and you keep on getting difficult feedback about it because it's not hitting the mark. You just keep on trying and you keep on doing it. Then we get to, to, to good. Um, if you give up on the second or third try, you might never get there. And, and it's just an important thing for us to, uh, to hire for especially stage specific and, and industry specific, you're going against some of the most well-funded companies in the world. If you, if you have an instinct to maybe just walk away, it's not going to work very well. You have to be almost like, you know, stubbornly resilient 
Um, and, and to me, that's inspiring, right? And to other people, they might run away screaming and I fully get that. And I, I, it's, it's just, you know, they're apples to oranges. If you found this podcast useful, make sure to share it out with your community. And if you haven't already done so, subscribe to the podcast. I'll see you next time.